Good morning and welcome to Live City Church. Thank you for taking time to join our extended church family. And for those of you part of Live City Church right now, give a shout out and make sure you're typing away and chatting because that's how we keep this all real. We are part of a greater body of Christ. And we're so glad that we can celebrate church together. Uh, Some quick news. Uh, We're getting real close to signing the lease, uh, but what has delayed the process is we needed to get uh, some plans drawn. Uh, Fire sprinkler systems with engineers have to be changed and moved and redesigned. But once that's done, which I'm expecting to be any day now, we will sign that contract and we'll move to the next phase and we're going to need your help. So thanks for those of you that are such generous givers. We love you and really appreciate you. And we do encourage everyone at Live City Church, give generously. We've got significant funds that we need to make sure that we can meet. For example, we're going to need four months worth of rent to move into this commercial lease because they want uh, a month's bond and then we need three months worth of guarantee. So these are the challenges we face, but it's going to be good. So the more people helping out and becoming a part of this, the more we'll be able to reach our goal. Think about that. Man, we're so close to getting our own church building. So God bless you. Well, this morning I've got a message for you. I pray that it will challenge you. I pray that it will bring you to the next level. And the message is entitled, Breakthrough, Breakout, Break Free. So turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel and chapter 17. 1 Samuel and chapter 17. While you're turning there, let me give you a bit of context behind the story. The Bible tells us that Israel is about to go into battle against the Philistines. Not the first one, but this is probably the most significant battle that they are about to face. And the thing that makes it so different is that for the first time, they're encountering a large larger numbers. Uh, The Israelites are encamped on one side of a hill, the Philistines on the other side, and they're about to fight in the valley below. But every morning, a giant, commentators say anywhere between 10 feet to 11 and a half feet tall, marches to the middle of the field. This guy is huge, and he is a veteran of warfare. He knows what he's doing. And he comes out there thundering and saying to them, hey, he gives his proposal, hey, It's not worth a bloodshed. I'm the champion of Gath. Why don't you bring a champion to fight me? And look at what happens in the story. Let's read together. And reading verse 1 to give a bit of context, we'll skip around a bit. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war. Verse 3, the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and All the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Jump now to verse 38. Now, while you're doing that, part of the reason why they're so terrified, the Bible tells us in a few chapters earlier, it's that the only two people in the entire army of Israel that actually had uh, instruments of warfare, sword, javelin, shield, was King Saul and his son Jonathan. The rest of the army, they're using farming equipment. They're using carpentry equipment. They needed all their tools sharpened by the Philistines. They were held captive by these guys for so long, and now is the time for deliverance. Verse 38, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Now, we've, we've skipped through quite a bit of stuff here, but just so we're not bogged down on the reading, 
The reason that this is happening, the Bible tells us that no one in all Israel wanted to fight Goliath. The guy was huge. He was so threatening, and no one wanted to do it except for one little kid who came along just to drop off some food to his brothers. And the Bible says that when he heard them talking and he saw Goliath marching out, he's asking these questions. What will be given to the man who fights the giant? And people were dismissing him, telling him to be quiet. His own brothers hated on him. Let me tell you, when you're about to take on something big and you've got that courage, haters are going to be hating. Haters are going to be rising up out of nowhere. But the Bible says he kept pestering and kept asking all the soldiers that eventually King Saul heard word. And so he brought... David in to speak with him, and in the discourse of the discussion, King Saul saying, what makes you qualified to fight? I mean, like, there's any other candidates, but anyway, what makes you qualified to fight? And David answers, he says, God has given me lions and bears. He's put them in my hand. I destroyed them, and God's going to give me Goliath. And so Saul finally relents. I mean, keep in mind now, he's putting his trust in a 14-year-old boy. Now, he's seen this boy before. The Bible tells us that David was an ex- a, a, a very expert musician. He was an expert songwriter, expert singer, and Saul one of the very best because of his rebellion in his life, the anointing that would normally bring the Holy Spirit onto him for warfare and battle actually lifted off of him. And instead, God released demons to come and take him over. So (laughs) every time that David played songs and sang his songs, the demons would run away. So he kept David on retainer and he kept coming back and forth. So he knew David, but he didn't know that he was a fighter. In your ranks somewhere there, some of you, there's some greatness hidden in you and you don't know it yet. Praise God. Let's keep going. So he's trying on Saul's uh, armor. He's trying on his sword, but look, look at what happens next. He says he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took a staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with the shield bare in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, "'Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks?' And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll feed your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. 14-year-old boy, pretty awesome. Today, I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you all into our hands. 
as the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword. Now, if you're wondering if Goliath was struck down and killed or if he was still alive, the Bible says he was already dead dead. He killed him. So David ran over, took the Philistine's sword, drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath. Remember, that's where Goliath comes from. And to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharaim road to Gath and Ekron. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd raise up the champions today. I pray, Lord God, you would awaken the sleepers. Father, I pray, let this word touch every heart. That, Lord God, you will raise up an army to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. If you agree with that, put an amen right right there in the chat. I want to give you today five keys to breakthrough. Five keys to breakthrough. Again, the title of today's message is Breakthrough, Breakout, Break Free. We were preaching a message, uh, I was preaching a message last week about the people of Israel and how they could not enter the land because of how they saw themselves. I hope you'll download that or watch it on YouTube. And today I want to take it a step further. So they were scared. They said, we're like grasshoppers, they're giants. And I want to talk to you today about becoming giant killers. Five keys to breakthrough from the story of David. Here's number one. Use your own anointing. David said, I cannot go in these. When he was clothed with David's armor and sword and everything, he couldn't do it. Because everyone has a unique anointing from God. It is specific to you. It is custom made and custom designed for you. And lest you think anything less of the anointing, it is not just for ministry. In fact, the Bible tells us that the anointing, when it was first given, was for kings, for priests, and for prophets. It was for a particular service. It was there to carry out a mission. And in this case, for a king, it is an anointing to do battle. In fact, the Holy Spirit would come upon the people who were anointed. Listen to this. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. So you receive the Spirit of God when you receive the anointing, and you receive the anointing the moment you surrender your life to Jesus. You are earmarked for purpose. Come on, give a shout out right now to Jesus. Why don't you air poke the person next to you and say, you need to hear this message. God's going to use you. Go ahead and type on the chat. Let's keep this chat alive. Saul, the Bible says, this is crazy stuff, was a head taller than any other man in Israel. He also received the anointing because that's why he's king. So he's got the anointing of God. He's a head taller than every other man, and yet he's not fighting. A giant in his own right, who should have been the champion of Israel, abdicated his own right to fight. 
Someone needs to hashtag that. Don't abdicate your own right to fight. The anointing of the Lord is an anointing to fight for a king. It is an anointing for breakthroughs. If you haven't fought the grand battle God designed for you, here's the thing, you need to pick this one up. If you don't go after the battle and fight it, Someone else is going to pick up the mantle of your anointing and fight your giants for you. It'll become theirs. And the thing you need to understand is that rewards are won through battle. Meanwhile, you're, you're all upset and you're up in the face because someone else picked up the mantle of your anointing. You sit idly by, criticizing them, poisoned by your own words, your own disappointment, your own criticism and jealousy because someone else was brave enough to trust God in the battle. Come on, if you believe with this and this is okay, come on, put something on the chat there. Rewards are won through battle. You don't just battle for the sake of battling. That's ludicrous. That's ridiculous. You battle because there's rewards through battle. In fact, we find out David becomes wealthy overnight. All of a sudden, he is really wealthy. On top of that, he's become a prince because he ends up marrying King Saul's daughter. She's a princess, so he becomes a prince. He's wealthy overnight. He becomes a prince, and on top of that, his family never have to pay taxes anymore. He's elevated to a position of prominence and power, all because he went into battle. Why don't you turn to the person next and say, why aren't you fighting your battles? It's time to fight your battles. Now, I'm not talking about fighting with people. I'm talking about spiritual warfare in the heavenly realms. Here's the second key. I've got five keys for breakthrough from David. Here's the second one. Practice makes perfect. David said to King Saul, the reason why he did not want to wear his armor, he said, is because I am not used to them. In other words, he's saying, I use other gear when I go into warfare. I use other gear when I go into battle. In other words, he's saying, I'm using, I'm battling all the time. Some of you have been Christians a long time, but you've never battled and you've tried to play it safe. Let me tell you, uh, there are three types of Christians. I wrote this one down. I had this, this download. Here's, here it is. There's the slider, the glider, and the decider. And you need to figure out which one you are. The slider, the glider, and the decider. The slider, and I got this idea from American baseball. See, in American baseball, I, I'm sorry, I don't know cricket. I am an Aussie. True, true, true. But I also was raised with Americans. And with baseball, you got the bat, the pitcher throws a ball, you hit it, and you make your way to a base. But in baseball, even though it's not your turn to hit again, you actually have an opportunity to steal bases. So you're trying to steal position that you're not entitled to. And what happens is the pitcher turns around, he's making sure you're not stealing bases. And if he sees you far enough away, he'll try and beat you, wing the ball at the first baseman or wherever this guy is, and he'll try and race you. And the only way that he'll make it back to that base and be safe on time is he has to slide his way to the finish line. Some of you, some of you are hoping to slide your way through your Christian life to make it to the finish line of heaven without even lifting a finger. I've got news for you. The kingdom doesn't work that way. The Bible tells us there's a few people where that happened to. There was the thief on the cross with Jesus, but he was dying that day. And he, he shouts out to Jesus. He says, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus said, this day 
you will be with me in paradise, and they both died that day. But if you're going to live another day, sliding through ain't going to cut it. The second uh, type of Christian is the glider. When I looked up in the dictionary that word glide, what it means, it means to move in a smooth, effortless manner. This is a kind of Christian. You're, you're involved in church life. You participate. You're in there all the time. In fact, you're faithful. But you're upset because your effort hasn't been noticed. You're upset because you haven't received the promotion, but others did. But what you don't understand is you've been gliding all that way. They've been doing all the hard work. You've been sitting on their coattails thinking you're doing all the effort. You've been promoted to a certain point, but now they are leaps ahead of you, and you are now angry and you're upset because you've been missed. Can I tell you, it's because you are not ready for battle. You didn't fight those battles. That other person did. They're the breakthrough warrior. In the meantime, you've just been riding on the coattails of their success. Some of you are like that, and you're waiting for that special impartation, for that man of God, that woman of God to pray for you so you receive their anointing. But why would God give you their anointing if you can't even use the anointing you currently have well? To whom much is given, much is required. So if you have even a little, use it well, and God will give you more. Listen to this. Promotion comes through battles. You should be embracing the battles because it's an opportunity to succeed. They say, new level, new devil. Oh, I don't want to go any further because there's more devil. No, you don't understand. There's rewards at each level. Hey, you do it all the time when you play games anyway. You're there on Wii. You're there on your your phone trying to beat all the competition on that level before you get to the new level. You don't have a problem playing games doing that. So what on earth is is it so hard to imagine that you can do this in the spiritual realm, that you can do your battle? to get to the next level. Yeah, new devils, take them down and move on to the next level. Promotion comes through battles. And the others, and I'm praying to God that these are the kind of Christians we will develop and produce. I know you can't be that overnight, but that we become deciders. Number three, You are the Davids. You go where others fear to tread. You are the one that set the precedence that others follow. You are the way makers. I know we sing the song, but it comes from John the Baptist. The Bible says, you know, there's a voice of one calling out in the wilderness, you know, preparing the way of the Lord. Make his crooked path straight. Fill the valleys. Level mountains so that you prepare the way of the Lord. You are the way way makers. In fact, you are the wave makers. People try and ride on your success. But you're the one that gets it all started. Imagine if we could have a church full of deciders. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37, we see how David is practicing and practicing. He was ready to fight Goliath, even though no one knew who he was. He was raised in obscurity. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 37 says, The Lord who delivered me from Paul the lion... And the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. You've got to use the anointing that God gave you. Even Jesus did. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went about doing good and healing all 
Notice that word, all who were pressed of the devil. When there was opportunity to do battle, when it was presented to him, God used, Jesus used every anointing that was upon him to win each battle. You've got to fight the battles. You've got to practice to prepare yourself for the big ones. Number three for breakthrough. Key three for breakthroughs. Remember who you represent. David said, I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. We come and represent him. That word represent, I think we, we forget what it really means. It comes from two words, to re, to do again, present. So we are presenting him again. You are Jesus to people wherever you walk. In your workplace, you are Jesus. On that bus, on that train, you are Jesus. To neighbor, you are Jesus. Sadly, a lot of Christians haven't caught on to this and haven't understood this principle that we represent him. And they think they can live their Christian life any way they want. They live in sin one day. They try and be holy on the Sunday. Then they go back to the same lifestyle. But that's not what the Lord is calling you to. You're called to represent Jesus. Jesus says to you, Luke chapter 10, verse 19, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. What if that was something you actually understood and I actually understood? That we can overcome all, the Bible says, all the power of the enemy and nothing can harm us? Dear God, that would change the way that we would live our lives. Matthew 16, 19, Jesus continues, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The greatest folly of great Christian leaders is when they forget who won the battle for them. It's sad, I know. We, we become prideful. We become Pharisees. We forget who won the battle for you. Who brought you the success you enjoy today? And who will bring you success into the next adventure that you go into? The armies of Israel all feared Goliath. Verse 11 says, On hearing Goliath's words, Saul and all, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Why? Because David was a cut above everyone else. He knew who he represented. The Bible says about how God speaks about David. He says, he's a man after my own heart. But, but God, he, he, he committed adultery. I mean, you know, he killed the husband of the, of the woman that he committed adultery with. I mean, how many other sins did he commit? He disobeyed you when he called the census when you said not to. I love that that is in there because he's so imperfect. And God calls this imperfect guy a man after my own heart. Why? Because David knew God. And he loved God. And he wanted his passion to be God's passion. That's what we're supposed to be like if you love someone. What he loves, you love. What he hates, you hate. And that's what God loved so much about David. 
And he was so different from all the others in his family and in the entire nation because he was rejected by men. He was scorned. The Bible says at the time when Samuel came to anoint one of the sons of Jesse to be the king of Israel, the Bible says six sons lined up. That's a lot. And Samuel came through and God says, that's not the one. Okay, what about, that's not the one. Uh, not, that's not the one. Till he came to the sixth one, that's not the one. And Samuel knew he heard from God. He says, Jesse, are these all your sons? Uh, oh, yeah, there's David. David, yeah, he's out with the sheep out there in the farm. So, he goes, well, can you call him? Uh, someone call David. Yeah, bring David over. He didn't even count as one of the sons of Jesse. I mean, how would you feel? But it wasn't a problem for David. He loved the time that he had looking after those sheep because there was a lot of time for him to sing and to create songs and to worship God. I mean, he loved him so much. He wrote these psalms. He says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. He said, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. This is a guy who knew God. He knew worship. He loved the word of God. He's always listening to what God would say. He depended on God daily. He meditated on the word of God. If you're wondering about that, look at Psalm 119, a whole chapter, really, really long, dedicated to his love for the word. David never engaged in battle without first checking with God and seeking his guidance. See, some of you are fighting battles that you were not designed to fight. See, when God sets you up for a battle, you think, oh, God, where are you on this? Well, God set you up. He custom designed you. He prepared you in the trenches so that you would win this battle. Why? Because you represent him. And God never loses. Come on, someone shout that out. Type it in there. God never loses. And if you represent him, he cannot allow you to lose. Except... When you try and fight a battle that God did not intend for you to fight, your authority does not always mean that you're authorized. That's why hearing from God is so important because some of you are fighting battles God never prepared you for. And you're struggling and you're broken down and you've been in tears. Hey, go back. Go back to the prayer room and ask the Lord what to do next. Here's a fourth key in breakthrough. An offense against you is an offense against God. Wow. David says, you know, you know, you come against me, so you come against me with the name of the living God whom you have defied. David knew who he was. He knew who he represented. He understood that when, when Goliath was shouting these accusations and ridiculing the armies of the living God, they're, they're named after him. And so they're actually, he was actually ridiculing God. Let me tell you, you've got nothing to worry about. Your enemy has hell to worry about. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to be held in the hands of the living God. It's a dangerous thing. You never want to be there. The Bible says, do not touch the Lord's anointed. Oh my goodness. That's found in 1 Chronicles 16, 22. Deuteronomy 32, 35, God says, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. David understood 
covenant. He understood that God himself entered this covenant. And he said, if you will follow all my commandments and do the things I've asked you to do, he says, I'm going to fight your battles for you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to cause you to succeed because my name is on you now. And so your enemies are my enemies. Your battles, my battles. We're going to get into that in just a second. But Goliath, he was in no covenant with God. The Philistines were no covenant with God. And David saw beyond the natural realm. He understood covenant, how precious it was with the Lord. I don't have to do my battles for myself. I don't fight them for me. I'm fighting them for God. This this Goliath, your giant, is coming against God himself because you represent him. Here's number five, the final one. Understand this. Goliath, before I do that, Goliath's mockery was an affront to the Lord. God was going to deal with Goliath one way or the other. But here's number five. The battle is the Lord's. You need to turn around and just, you know, COVID tap five people and tell them, the battle is the Lord's. It ain't mine. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's got this. Turn to another neighbor and tell them, it's on God. It's not on you. David said, this day, the Lord will hand you over to me. Not, not, he wasn't saying, I'm going to take you down, Goliath. I'm going, you're going to take you down, man, because I'm so big. 14 years old. He's fighting a man. And Saul said to him, you can't fight this guy. He's been fighting since before your age, and he's a seasoned veteran in warfare. How do you think you possibly beat this guy? But David understood, the Lord will hand you over to me, giant. And God's a lot bigger than any giant. In 1 Samuel 17, 47, this is what he says. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. Another passage says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you all into our hands. David knew, even though he faced certain death, he knew the fight was in God's hands. Some of you are still floundering around, and that's why you're so worried, and you're worked up, and you're tense, you're stressed out, you're anxious, and you can't figure out why. It's because you're trying to fight the battle by yourself and your own strength. But the Bible is telling us, God says, it's my battle. David understood that. He says, the battle is the Lord's. It ain't my battle. It's the Lord's battle. When someone makes war against you, servant of God, child of God, beloved of God, understand they're making war against God. That really changes the way that you look at the situation. Come on. Someone needs to stand up and do something. Make some noise right now. Make some noise on that chat right now. God is so good. David knew even though he faced certain death, the Lord saves. The battle is the Lord's. Sometimes we forget this. But if we could only understand what David knew in his heart. The Bible says a double-minded man who's not sure, is unstable in all he does. He cannot pray and expect God to answer it. You have to be absolutely certain. Is he God? Can you trust him? Yes. So why are you so worried? Psalm 118 verse 6, David wrote this. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? As I finish tonight, uh, this morning, 
I want to finish with John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Here's the crazy thing. David, before his time, no Israelite at that point had killed a giant. And they were terrified of this giant. The Bible said all were scared except for David. He's fighting lions. He's fighting bears barehanded. No, no weapons, barehanded. And so when he came to this giant, this is nothing. Of course you can do this. And he takes the giant down. You know what happened in that instant? All the fear about fighting giants left. And all the Philistines realized, if a kid can take a giant down at the age of 14, imagine what a man of Israel can do. It bolstered the courage of an entire nation. In fact, the mighty men were raised up because of David's incredible bravery and courage. The Bible tells us that after David killed his giant, Abishai, one of his mighty men, killed Ishbenob. By the way, the mighty men, they were like uh, superheroes. Like He was like Superman. He's all the, the Justice League. And they, each one could take down 100 people. In fact, thousands at once. One guy could take thousands on. So these were extreme guys. Abishai kills Ishbenob. Sibakai kills Saf. Elhanan kills Lami. And, and, you know, this is a crazy thing. It says he's actually the brother of Goliath. And then David's nephew, Jonathan, he kills a six-fingered, six-toed giant. Never before in the history had an Israelite killed a giant until the time of David. And after David, it became a commonplace thing. Everyone's killing giants now. Are you going to coast and glide on someone's coattail? Are you going to try and slide your way through the kingdom? Or will you be a decider and you the one that takes the battle on, head on, understanding God's got this? God is looking for people who will spearhead new movements, new movements doing crazy things in business, in education, in government and in in the religious sector doing crazy things bringing revival this revival is more than just a spiritual revival revival of all things but god is given glory through all who will rise up and become the new davids who will be the one who will stand in the gap what amazes me about david so much the bible said and we read this earlier that david picked up five smooth stones and put them in his pouch. And I ask people often, you know, over the years, why do you think David picked up five smooth stones? And the usual response is, in case he missed. The thing that's crazy about the story is that these guys are so accurate, they wouldn't miss. In fact, those five stones, Bible tells us, was for each of the giants that we didn't know were also in the army of the Philistines. And David meant, he thought that when Goliath came down, the other four would attack him, and he wanted to be really quick, grab another stone, until he killed them all. 
Oh, God, that we would have the courage and the bravery like David had. Come on right now. Some of you are struggling with your giants. I want to pray for you. you got giants of unemployment. you got giants of finances that are just coming against you. It's a poverty giant. For others, it's a struggle with your marriage. That's the giant in your life. For others, your kids are going astray. I don't know what all your giants are. For some of you, it's depression. It's anxiety. It's a battle day in and day out, and you are struggling. You're at the end of your rope. Can I pray for you? If that's you, stand to your feet right in your home. Stand to your feet right where you are in your room. Or if you're in your car, reach out your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up my brother. I lift up my sister, oh God. And Father, I ask for your glory to be released upon them. Father, that they would know that it is you doing this. I pray that you draw this line in the sand on the 4th of July. And soon after that moment, there will be breakthroughs, breakthroughs, breakthroughs being released. I pray, Father God, release your breakthrough. You are Baal Perez the God of the breakthrough. Now, Lord God, make yourself known. Destroy the giants in your children's lives. If you agree with me, all God's people said, amen. And perhaps today, this is the first time that you've understood the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You might have accidentally came across our stream. It's, there's no accidents. God intended for you to listen to this message. He loves you, and God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And all it takes is simply accepting and receiving it. And I want to lead you in a prayer to show you how to do that. Perhaps you've made some terrible mistakes. Today you find you're far from God. You know, perhaps you're not even aware you made mistakes, but you realize your heart is not near him anymore. I want to lead you also in this prayer. So would you give me a moment and would you pray this prayer with me? If I'm talking to you, pray out loud in your car, in your room, in your house. Okay, if there's too many people and you're scared, don't worry. Just say it in your heart. But come and repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I could not live up to your standards. You call that sin. But you left heaven and you took the punishment for me. And that punishment was death. You died for every sin that I've committed and will ever commit in my lifetime. Thank you so much. Jesus, forgive me. Remove my guilt. And fill me with your spirit, that anointing. I want it now. So I can take down my giants. You died for me. Now I will live for you. If you said that prayer for the first time, or if you said it for the 10th time, it doesn't matter. Can you please let me know so we know that our messages are effective? Just write to yes at livecitychurch.com. And just let me know about your story. I'd love to talk to you and communicate with you and lead you through to the next step. What to do next? Well, you made a great decision. God bless you. And thank you for tuning into our stream today. And I look forward to seeing you all again next week. God bless you. Have a fantastic week.